The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet! This is Walter C.A.D.'s Fedchick here, bringing you a very special edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast. See, Chase, this is a special edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast because we don't get to do these podcasts very often. It's our IEM Katowice League of Legends World Championship Preview Guest Lines Extravaganza Podcast because we actually are going to show up to an IEM event uh, metaphorically, as opposed to the three teams that decided it wasn't worth their time and wanted to use uh, Donald Trump's Muslim travel ban <laughs> to be their excuse for why they didn't want to go when, uh, yeah, they they are not uh, from any of those countries listed in that travel ban. And another person not listed in any of those countries from that travel ban, but might not want to travel anymore, my good friend Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, you know, Chase, one day we have to tell the people about your, your exciting trip back from Turkey. Yeah, no. That was I, a very fun story. I have to say, it's amazing that Turkey's not on that list. I appreciate it because it means that, you know, I don't, I, you know, my questioning was only 45 minutes rather than the crazy <laughs> amount of time it could have been. I, you know, I, I'll say this for Cloud9. It's a shame that they didn't have the same care when they decided to have uh, their Overwatch team go play over in Apex. That apparently, totally fine, despite also having foreign players on that roster. But, you know, the League of Legends team, clearly, clearly that would be an issue. The one week, really quick, you know, kind of visa that you just need to travel, that's that would not be a thing that they could do. But if you want to live over in Korea for a couple months to do a tournament, no concerns there whatsoever. I just, I find that funny. I find it interesting... I find it captivating. And by the way, four teams chose not to go here, Walter. Don't forget four. that SKT had a seed and just said, nah, I'm not even going to pretend that we care about this tournament. It's a tournament. It's the ESL that we're used to when it comes to League of Legends, which is everyone bringing their second or third team squads. And, you know, Europe cares because it's in Katowice and everyone else pretends that they do. And... I'm here to pretend that I care today. That's my job as a podcaster. It's my job as a League of Legends analyst. And it's my my role as a fan that loves seeing international competition. I will talk myself into this tournament because I talk myself into every League of Legends tournament. And then I will watch it and remember that IEM is pointless and we'll go on our merry way. Because this is the circle of IEM. See, I'm of Polish descent. And uh, I remember a story I heard on uh, another show where uh, 
former evil genius StarCraft player in control was talking about the difference between visiting Poland and Stockholm for StarCraft events. And you go into Katowice, you go into Stockholm, and from the airport, it's like 45 minutes into Stockholm from the airport, and it's beautiful. It's exactly what you expect of Sweden. Green countryside, lakes, blonde hair, blue-eyed people singing and dancing, you know, in the fields, drinking sparkling water, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, and you come into Katowice, and it's that same, like, 45-minute drive, and it's just gray and stone buildings, and it's just depressing, and you just want to get in your hotel so you can look at something nice. And, I mean, I can't blame teams for not wanting to go to Poland. It's not exactly, you know, a top 25 travel destination for most people. Um, and sorry to all the Polish fans of our show. I don't yeah. want to offend you. Shout but... out to Warsaw. I've been, I love the historic district of the city. You have good cities. Uh, Katowice is an interesting choice for this tournament. It is an interesting choice that is, they've made in the past. And as if, as if Cloud9's, you know, hypothetical Trump will let our Korean players back into the country, blah, blah, blah thing, it gets better because EDG, the Chinese representative, had some statement where they're like, oh, yeah, our, our visas got declined. And the Polish embassy went on to the Chinese Weibo, I'm probably butchering it, but it's basically Chinese Reddit, and said, no, they didn't give us all the paperwork. And then EDG had to issue another statement, which was basically blaming the fact that, to, you know, during their time to acquire their visas, it was Chinese New Year and the entire country is basically shut down. So it just made it really difficult. And the players had to go back to their provinces to apply for them and like all this other jazz. So it's just really inconvenient. I honestly feel bad for Carmack who's the, the front-facing kind of head of ESL, IEM production type stuff. I kind of feel bad for him because he's got to feel like that, that X at that, you know, that X when you're told, oh, it's not, it's not you, it's me. You aren't told the real reason, and then they're, like, off dating someone else two days later, and you're like, but why couldn't you just tell me the truth? Why couldn't you just tell me you wanted to see other people? I kind of feel bad for him. Um, but at the same time, like, IEM just doesn't have the, the same prestige anymore. This isn't a tournament anymore that matters. As much as, as much as you know, in the offseason where there's no other league, and I'm like, yeah, it's League of Legends, I want to watch it. And it's like mediocre, terrible League of Legends, and it matters then because there's nothing else on. Uh, but Chase, i got to hand it to you. This tournament, IEM doesn't matter. Yeah, look, it's as, as we once saw Radiohead say, you, you do it to yourself. We, we've had these problems with IEM repeatedly in the past. They have these weird delays and technical issues whenever they cover League of Legends. And it, I know that it's a League of Legends-specific problem because I've seen plenty of ESL matches. The Counter-Strike Global Offensive tournaments are always really well done. They go off without a hitch. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. And, and repeatedly so. So I'm not going to say that the ESL does shoddy work. What I am going to say is it seems incredibly suspicious that the League of Legends broadcasts have had Issues after issues after issues every year with pretty sizable delays and every other game gets off fine. Almost as if we understand that ESL isn't all that invested in these tournaments and know that League of Legends brings a natural viewership so they don't necessarily need to try as hard and let's face it, teams aren't as invested in this tournament anyway so you're not going to get too many people up in arms about the whole thing. You could just feel the corners being cut. Every mm -hmm. time you hear another team steps down or when the inevitable delay happens sometime between 
uh, game two and game three of one of the series on day one. I guarantee it's going to happen. We're going to have that weird delay that goes on for like an hour and a half and no one explains why. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm tired of trying to talk myself into this tournament. I'm tired of, of saying, well, there are these significant flaws, but it's okay because it's still IEM. It's still an international event. We deserve better quality international events. But, and this is something I really want to just say very clearly and, and firmly here. The reason that we give EDG and uh, ED, uh, and Cloud9, and to a lesser extent Samsung and SKT, crap for not showing up, is because international tournaments matter in the sense that this is the only time you get outside of MSI and Worlds to play against teams from other regions, learn their metas, learn the ins and outs and what they've taken from their region into this tournament so you can take it back and maybe use those adjustments to make yourself better. And, you know, Cloud9 and EDG in particular are two teams you would point to and say they could have benefited from playing against the best teams in Europe. They could have benefited from playing some Korean teams who at the very least understand the Korean system, even if they're not as good as other teams at executing it. This is a huge missed opportunity in that sense. And that's why I am, I'm very disappointed in, in teams that choose not to show up from regions that constantly clamor for more international competition. You can't say in one breath, we need more international tournaments, we need more of these kinds of events, and then on the other say, eh, but I don't want to go. That's, that's not an acceptable way of doing it. And, and maybe Cloud9 you know, made their declaration too late for another North American team to be asked. I find a lot of reasons to be skeptical of that. Hong Kong Esports certainly didn't have a hard time getting a visa from Europe, and they're based out of Hong Kong. Don't know how that's simpler than North America. Sources! Behind-the-scenes sources have actually told me that multiple NA teams were approached, yes. and no one wanted to go. That's what I'm hearing as well. And people will say, like, oh, you know, Carmack. Shout out to Carmack. He's never bitter. He's never publicly dis uh, expressed any disappointment or anything. He's always got one step forward. He's like, well, you know, it's hard to get visas, and it's last minute, and all that stuff. And, and shout out to Carmack for covering for these teams. But I, we can see through you guys. It's it's not hard. It's, it's, if Hong Kong Esports could do it with like a week worth of notice, I know for a fact you guys could have probably given it, uh, figured it out. I've gotten visas before. I know the process. It can be done. You guys chose not to do it. And that's your prerogative. Hopefully... Cloud9, uh, you know, recover from their terrible week last week. They'll, they could use the practice, clearly, because they went 0-2. But, uh, I mean, we're, here we go. That's well, yeah, here we go. <laughs> there, there is a tournament this weekend. Yeah, let's it talk about some actual games. <laughs> whether we want to complain about production or the, the commentators or the prestige of it or anything, there is a tournament this weekend. And like any degenerate gambler, we're interested in this tournament because I think there might be some money to be had at this tournament, my dear friend. So we're going to start, we're going to go through reverse order of the outrights. So we're going to start with the least likely team to win, and we're going to go all the way up to the most likely team to win. And I think our viewers are going to be interested in this because there, while there's a favorite to win, it's not very a clear favorite. It's not a very dominating favorite. Uh, the top six, uh, Top six teams in this out of the eight are all within 300 points of each other. So it's a pretty close field, all things considered. 
But the team least likely to win, according to our good friends over at Unicorn.com, M19. Now, M19 uh, acquired Albus Knox Luna's spot in the LCL and acquired the entire roster. It's basically the same roster that was at Worlds with the uh, change in the, in the AD carry role. Their new AD carry is now Vincent Vega. And the team is fourth in the LCL. Uh, as opposed to the last couple years where this roster has been a dominant force uh, just across the board. Now, I was the one who had to watch these, and I don't see a huge difference, in all honesty, from the team that we saw at Worlds. Uh, I think the meta has sort of bothered them. I don't think PvP status, the jungler, really sits well in a, in a Rengar, Kha'Zix kind of centric meta. Um, he's an okay Graze player, but that's not really his bread and butter. He's a much better uh, rec side player, much better Elise player, and those are just not efficient champions in the current meta. And I think the other big point is that even though it is sort of a mage damage support position uh, that Likrit sort of excels at, remember, everyone was like, oh man, he plays brand, like be scared of his brand, be scared of this, that takes away one of the advantages that the team did have, in that they did always have this pocket, okay, well we can pull all this damage out from, from Likrit that's going to be unexpected, and now that everyone's doing that, you're not... You can waste a ban on the brand, but there's other champions that do the same thing better, and most people are just banning Zyra and Malzahar anyways, uh, or were. Now they've been nerfed a bit, so on uh, on patch 7.2 and 7.3, they're a little bit more prevalent to get through the pick ban phase. Um, but I just think the other teams in the LCL are a little bit better, and I look at Elvis Knox, uh, I look at M19, and they're plus 410. Or, sorry. 4,100. 4, okay. 4,100. Interesting. Not great. No, I mean, and, and it shouldn't be. You know, I'll give M19 this for people that don't watch the LCL, which is going to be 99.9% of our audience. M19 has beaten the teams that are towards the top of the standings. They took a, they took a win off of Evictus, which is currently the best team in the LCL. They also beat Virtus Pro, which is currently tied for that first place in the LCL. So they can rise to the occasion against good teams. They've also dropped games to the two worst teams in the region. So is that them not trying so hard when they're taking on what they believe to be a lesser opponent? Is that them just being a, a team that rises to the occasion when the pressure is on? I'm not sure. I, I think from Worlds, certainly we saw a team that at least has composure. We could expect that they're not going to be, you know, kind of deer in the headlights with like a lot of wildcard teams would be, but I'm not at all confident from what I'm hearing or what I've, you know, the little bit that I've looked through. Uh, yeah. I think you you're on the nose and I think the casinos are correct to do that. I don't think, uh, I don't, I think if the M19 somehow wins this, a lot of things have gone horribly wrong. Yeah. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think they're going to shirk from the spotlight and sort of the neutered, talent levels of the other teams that are coming, especially the two Korean teams, which we'll get to in a moment, I think helps them, but I still think they're they're really kind of long shots to uh, really make noise and be a success and potentially compete for the top prize. That brings us to our seventh most likely team to, uh, to win the whole tournament. And they were our last team added. They are the team that is replacing EDG. It's Hong Kong Esports better known as the team that Ole played on before he was on Immortals. 
So Chase, what do I need to know about Hong Kong esports? And are they a threat to win this? Uh, you know, is there a chance that they you know come out and surprise us? Are they better than plus four thousand odds? I mean, I, I find it interesting that yeah, Hong Kong esports are known for. You know, this is where Ollie came from, and this is the organization that's currently in a very long and complicated lawsuit with toys. Um, if people remember the former uh, Taipei Assassins World Championship winning uh, mid laner, that's been a whole thing. But when you just look at the team, Walter, I want you to tell me if this sounds familiar to any team that you might know in North America. So they've got a solo laner who's very good and knows how to, you know, really win team fights and even games on their own. They've got another solo laner who tries to do kind of weird picks from time to time, but doesn't necessarily know how to put it all together consistently. You've got uh, a jungler who just seems lost uh, as far as how, how to path properly. You have a bot lane that is usually outplayed in a way that uh, that comes back to haunt them. Walter, what team am I describing? You're describing most of North America. I'm yeah, I mean, pick here, pick. I mean, specifically, I think this is, uh, this is, is like some sort of weird hybrid between Dignitas and Immortals, and that's not good. That's not a good team. It's, uh, look, I love gear. The gear is the mid laner. When they actually put him in instead of trying to make Cuckoo work, Gear is awesome. I love his laning phase. I love the way he places his Orianna ults. He's been amazing on Orianna. He has proven that he can be this teamfight leader. And, and to the credit of Hong Kong Esports, they do like to fight a lot. And they do have moments where you'll look and you'll see like, man, they have, you know, they're winning in kills right now, despite the fact that they're behind in gold because they can take you know, decent engages. Now, they're not winning by a lot in kills, and they are usually down significantly in gold because they have a bot lane that can get bullied out very easily. Nestia, the support's champion pool, is absolutely terrible for this meta. He played uh, Alistar, non-ironically, within the last two weeks. Uh, I should also point out that their pick and ban is among the worst I've ever seen. In their last series, which was against the Flash Wolves, who we'll talk about later, uh, Flash Wolves were able to get Camille as a last pick on red side. Literally last picked on red side because Hong Kong Esports, despite losing to it in game one, decided it was neither pick nor ban worthy. And by the way, the pick that Hong Kong Esports opted into, the top laner that they picked beforehand when Camille was on the table, uh, Gragas. It was Gragas. Really needed to lock in that Gragas because this is not a good League of Legends team. This is not a team that can win this tournament. And they're 0-6 in the last two weeks against the three best teams in Taiwan. Yay! So glad that we get to see some Taiwan representation that will inevitably cause uh, some more jokes if Flash Wolves don't pull it off. So what do you think? Rigging endorsement, Walter? You in? That is about as, <laughs> as LMS and, and Taiwan. Uh, uh, yep, that sounds like Taiwan to me. Yep, that sounds uh, about right. And this is the fourth, the fourth best team in Taiwan. This is the fifth best team in Taiwan. Fifth best team in Taiwan. Can I guess four? Is it Machi? Uh, four is five. Actually, sorry, they're the sixth best team in Taiwan. Six. Machi oh. is fifth. The fourth is Fireball, who I will not 
uh, claim to know much about other than Wind is on there, and I love Wind. I, I think that he's a jungler that does good things, but I haven't watched enough of their games. I watched Flash Wolves, I've seen AHQ and J-Team, and I watched Hong Kong Esports for this tournament. And I, believe me when I say, there is no other reason to watch Hong Kong Esports. They cannot hold their own against the best teams in this league. And if they can't hold their own against the best of Taiwan, I'm not seeing them do it against the best in, in well, Europe. That's you're, for sure. You're at least implying that they have some sort of like star in gear that you know could potentially blossom into someone. Yeah, but, sure, if they start him, which hasn't well, happened for half of the games. Well, but... But at least they have one of those, even if they're sitting on the bench. As we move to the sixth most likely team uh, to win the IM World Championship, it's Kongdu Monster. Ooh. And Kongdu, they're Korean. You know, they're, they're a solid Korean team. They're, uh, you know, they're solid. But that's the only thing about them. They're, they're solid. They remind me of the Denver Nuggets mm. in terms of they don't have a star. There is no star player on this team they're all solid they're all really good like role players they're probably you know could be the third best player on on pretty much any team in korea the problem is who do they go to when they're actually trying to win a game they're the 10th team in korea at this moment Mm -hmm. and it's because they don't have someone that can just leap and can pull that trigger and can be the, I'm going to win this game. They have moments within the games where you'll see a player really, you know, go out of their way and make a play and have something that's very aggressive and proactive, and you want to see them snowball it. But when you're looking for that snap decision, that snap moment for someone to make a play to finally, you know, cut the head off the snake and actually win the game, no one on this team is really that player. This feels a lot to me like the old school Zenic rosters, where... They have some really good, strong, young talent, and one or two of these players is going to be a really good player on another team two splits from now. But just these five players together don't make a winning combination, don't make an effective threat to you know the top six teams in Korea. There's always this argument about where would a Western team place if they come over to Korea, or where would you know a you know mid to bottom tier Korean team place over in North America and that really it's kind of a moot point because you don't know how play styles will change you don't know exactly how the Korean play style would match up against nine North American teams week in and week out you don't know how the talent level of a Korean player would match you know going week in and week out against the nine other teams that would be in the North American uh, LCS at that point this is a team that I think would do fine in North America. I think they would sit, you know, just on the outside of the playoffs, you know, that six, seven, eight range, just because they're really strong team fighters. And I think that's something that's kind of lacking in North America, um, especially in the, like the middle tier teams, but it's that sort of proactive, that proactive lunge for that victory. When are you going to make that play? That's going to finally snap your trap shut and you're going to win a game. And there's just no one on this team that does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to be fair, like for for people that you know followed uh, along for IEM Gyeonggi, this was a Kongdu Monster team that, despite all of those flaws, still managed to get second in that tournament. Now the teams they had to beat along the way were Immortals and Giants Gaming, and a single game against Dark Passage. So, are they the same quality of team as some of the teams they're going to be playing here? 
Maybe not. I don't think that, you know, I think Unicorns of Love and G2 are both significantly better. I think Flash Wolves is better than the teams that they ended up playing at IEM Gyeonggi. But they do seem to... They, they did enough in that tournament to, to seal that second place. And I wonder... I, I do wonder how the Korean game is going to match up. I, I think that it's it's safe to have them in the sixth spot. I, I think that that's a totally fair line from the casinos. I'm just very curious as to how this actually comes together when uh, the games are played out. Kongdu are at plus 550. Okay. Plus 550. So there's some value there, but I'm still iffy because I, I don't see that, that killer instinct in them. Mm-hmm. Moving on. At plus 500, the other Korean team, the Rocks Tigers. And folks, this is not your 2016 Rocks Tigers. Uh, All those players are gone. This is Rocks Tigers by way of Africa, where they basically took all of Africa's roster. Uh, They added Shy and they added Key from Ever and kind of shook it all up together and said, okay, now we have a League of Legends team. Go. And there have been some moments out of some of these players where they do have that sort of gut killer instinct to go for it. I think Mickey could absolutely turn into a star in the right circumstances. Um, Unfortunately, he hasn't landed in those right circumstances yet, but he absolutely, I think, could be a stud. Uh, Linderang and Swang, I think, are both solid top and and, uh, junglers. And the team just feels like Africa from last year, where if Mickey goes off, they could beat anyone, but there's such a disconnect between him and the rest of the players on the team in terms of how they want to play. The rest of the players on the team, I think, excel in teamfight, where Mickey, I think, excels in laning and is very poor in teamfights. I think his positioning is very, very poor. When it comes to damage output, I feel like he allows tanks on the other team to get in front of his abilities a lot, especially when he's playing Rise, and you're trying to shotgun someone down, you're trying to just chain your spells together, and he really just allows the big, beefy frontliners to get in front of him, and he's not very effective with positioning around them, or not knowing when exactly to just say, screw it, let me just run through the tank, uh, you know, burn him down, and then I can get onto the back line. Um, he seems really over-reliant on the Rise currently, like, that seems to be his really strong comfort pick. And he's good at it. He's really good in laning phase. He really understands the combinations when he's dueling someone 1v1. But when you get in that team fight situation, it's kind of rough. And then the top lane is really a bounce back and forth between Shy and Linderong. And Shy. Chase, you're, you're the, C, the former CJ fan. Yes, I like I, Shy. I felt like Shy was added here just because they didn't have any name brand players anymore. And they were in this... Rocks was sort of in this push to become a globally recognized brand, especially in, in the United States. They had, you know, they had Smab, they had Peanut, they had all these guys that were really well loved in, in the States, and then they all disappeared and they went, Well, we still had this marketing plan, let's keep doing it, but let's bring in someone that everyone knows. Let's bring in Shy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's had some moments of brilliance. I, I was watching highlights of him playing Renekton, and Shy is one of the original Renekton gods. He was a fantastic Renekton back in Season 2 and Season 3. Um, but the difference between him and Linderong is kind of subtle. Like, there's not a huge difference between the two of them. And I think that Rocks are stunting Linderong's growth by dropping Cheyenne here for a series or a game here or there. This doesn't really make sense to me to be, you know, sort of a timeshare. I, 
did CJ really do this that much with, with Shy Last Split? Was there a lot of time sharing on their part? Does, is it worth it? Look, if CJ could find a way to mismanage a talent, they found a way. I, I mean, I honestly, whatever you could say about Rox Tiger switching back and forth, I guarantee you CJ Etis was switching back and forth more and at worst times and just running everything into the ground, which I remember every time I watch Ghost do great things on BBQ Olivers, and I remember that CJ Etis didn't even bother to play him because the Ocelot God in their head told them not to, I suppose. But yeah, no, I, uh, look, I like Shy quite a bit. I, uh, I, I think that he certainly in the games that I've seen does, has done quite well. I think right now, if you look at the, you know, the stats, he has the second highest KDI on the team, only Sanghyun has been more consistent in the games that have been played. Uh, you know, this is a team that, outside of, of Mickey, uh, it does feel like the team fights can work, and Mickey makes enough solo plays where you almost excuse it um, the way that he can sometimes screw up that side of things. I, I don't know if they're a cohesive whole enough right now to take on the best that Europe has to offer, but... You know, they're going to be on what I believe is the weaker side of the bracket where they have. Absolutely. I mean, I, the, the path is just so much easier for them to get through uh, as long as they can hold their own against H2K. I mean, uh, M19 and Hong Kong Esports are eminently beatable. So don't be surprised if this Rocks Tigers team is 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 playing in the semifinals or, or even the finals, depending on what that matchup looks like. It's uh, Things have played out well for them with these changes. So. Yeah, I, I think the groups are, are definitely doable. Uh, they probably will end up in the semifinals. All they have to do is beat M19 and Hong Kong Esports, and then they'll probably be, you know, the two. I think they'll be the two seed. I think H2K is better than, it, than them, and we'll get to them in a moment. Uh, they'll probably be the two seed and, and be against the one seed from Group B, and it'll be an interesting story. I haven't seen anything out of them that makes me feel like they should have. I know people are going to be like, oh, a Korean team isn't the favorite to win this? This is ridiculous. The Koreans are always great. Guys, this tournament feels to me like the time TSM won. Yeah. It just feels like the best talent didn't show up. Um, maybe Rox has sort of a, a, a world elite kind of vibe, a Team WE kind of vibe where they're a little scrappy and they get a surprising win here in the semifinals and maybe make it to the finals. But I think the WE team was a little bit more talented and a little bit had a little bit more cohesion uh, than this Rox Tigers team does at plus 500. Chase. The pride of the LMS. Whoa. It's at plus 450. Okay. The Flash Wolves. Okay. Interesting. The pride of the LMS. They're fourth. They're behind all three of these EU teams. Just yes. just to be clear. Okay. They are. I'm sure that's in no way influenced by the fact that most people don't watch the LMS and uh, the Unicorns Probably. Western audience is uh, much more likely to know what's going on in Europe. I, look... I'm gonna say it uh, the way I'm gonna say the same thing I said heading into Worlds. Uh, this is a very good team. If they play like a very good team, that's the real question mark. They certainly at Worlds showed that they had the ability to beat anybody, and they had the ability to beat themselves regardless of how dominant they had been. And previously. I am Oakland. Yeah, and I am Oakland is not a is not a great side of of them turning things around. Again, another tournament in which everything looked to be going their way, and they had an eminently winnable series and completely fell apart. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of, you know, every time I watch this team, I watch them do good, you know, play well and play, 
you know, and, and have this this fun team to follow because it is a fun team. Karza is awesome. He is an aggressive uh, jungler who maybe isn't, you know, the same kind of first blood king that we think of when we think of Yankos, but he's still getting in 50% of his games right now, which is more than enough if you're trying to kickstart a team that traditionally is a lot better in the mid to late game than every other team in the region. So if you're you know you're winning the early game because you have you know Karza making plays, you have uh, Maple who does enough in the laning phase and can roam. He loves to roam. You have MMD who is enough in the top lane. He does enough to be a top laner. And you know Betty is the AD carry right now. That's the one big change. And Betty in the last uh, three series. 21, 5, and 31 for a 10.4 KDA. Sword Art, 4, 4, and 56. This bot lane's been dominant. It's been... If they play like that team, it's going to be super fun to watch. If they don't, well, then... I don't know what to tell you. They're going to be the same team that disappoints me time and time again. And honestly, I get why people are... are leaning away from it at the casinos. They've been burned before, and I don't have a counter-argument to that. But I really do think that this team, if they play up to that potential, they know how to win fights. They have that kind of unicorns of love-esque identity of, if we can get the value trade every time, this will go well for us. And they don't do it as cleanly as you know or as quickly i should say as unicorns of love do uh, their average game time is about 34.9 they have more of a a mid to late game as i said than most of the lms but this is a team that hasn't dropped a map to anyone not named ahq so far this year this is a team that when they play you know anyone like a uh a hong kong esports they take care of business incredibly cleanly and efficiently there are enough teams here that they should figure this out. And then I remember they're on the same side of the bracket as Unicorns of Love, G2, and <laughs> Kongdu. And I just get nervous because I don't oh. think the team that I've watched is necessarily going to be the team that you all will get to watch. So, fingers crossed. I think that at plus 450, did you say? That's, yes, plus 450. That's real value there. I think this team wins this tournament more than that. But they have to be the team that they look like when they're playing at their best. And they have to be a team that can take advantage of positioning mistakes and, you know, win some of these team fights because they're not going to snowball the early game hard enough against teams like UL or G2 to win that way. So, cautiously optimistic? Can you can you feel the lack of confidence coming from? I I just I I hear international choke artists. Uh, I wish I had I, a counter. I don't, don't want to be I don't want to be that mean. Like this isn't a like oh it's an LMS team. I just mean they haven't they got to the the quarterfinals what two years ago now. Yeah, twenty fifteen and AHQ. Twenty fifteen was great. I, I thought that they but did. Since then, they did they, find an MSI. They were they were a solid team at MSI. But, last but that year. but that's a that, it's a downward trajectory. Like they played very well at Worlds in in, in 2015, and then or yeah 2015, yeah. and then it's been MSI was pretty good, but then it's been a downward trajectory on all their international appearances since then. Yes. So it's hard for me to trust them, just like it's hard for us to trust G two. 
Like, it's hard for us to trust D2 at that point. And I yeah. think it's very apt that the two of them are playing at the very first match against each other. Oh, my God. I can't. Oh. The, the memes will be so clear from day one how this is going to go. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I'm very nervous. Consider but, me but, very nervous. We'll get to G2 in a moment. We got, we got two more teams to Got a couple more teams to get to. Of course. Uh, H2K Gaming is on the easier side of the bracket. They're at plus 400. I think this is the best value. Yes. Out of, out of anyone. Yes. Plus 400, a super easy bracket in which they have Hong Kong Esports, M19, and Rocks. What am I missing? I don't know. What am I missing here? Are they the one seed to come out of Group A? I think so. Are we so. confident in that? I mean, I'm as confident as I'm ever going to be in a Western team doing this at an international event. This H2K team is a really fun team to watch. They're a team that I would say is is, is potentially, if not the best team fighting team here, the second best team fighting team here. They understand how to you know, get the flanks that they need with Odoamne. I think those have improved in the last couple of weeks. Nuclear is awesome. I'm so glad I was wrong about him. He just cleans up these fights so well, yeah. and his laning phase seems to get getting better every week. And Yankos is still, you know, he's not necessarily as good at first bloods as he's been in the past, but he certainly knows how to snowball an early game advantage. And even if he's not getting first blood, he has a definitive impact on how the early game plays out. The thing about H2K, and this could be a positive or a negative, depending on how the you know the rest of the teams kind of scout and prepare for this tournament, is that H2K are a team that very clearly goes into the, they have one way to win, but they're really good at that one thing rule. The one thing they know how to do is, good early game thanks to Yankos, have the advantage going into the team fights, take objectives off of successful team fights and win the game. It's team fight, team fight, team fight. That's what they know how to do. If you try to split push against them, if you separate them from, uh, you know, and not, don't give them those kind of engages, if you ward well and prevent any sort of the flanks that Yankos can get early, you can absolutely shut H2K down. Mm -hmm. They have not done a good job of proving that they know how to play well from behind. They haven't really had to, but... You know, that still, it still is the case that they haven't shown that they can do it yet. And I just, I, I, that makes me nervous. I'm always nervous when teams don't have that secondary win condition. Because if someone can find a way to mess that up in draft or can do some weird things to throw you off, how do you get back to the path? What do you do when you're forced to adjust on the fly? I'm not quite sure what that answer is, but I think the fact that they're in Group A, they're going to have more time to figure it out than they could have ever hoped for. Uh, certainly, they're in, in a spot where they, they should be the favorites. They should have plenty of time to, to see you know, these different strategies come up against them. And uh, I have a feeling they're going to be incredibly effective against the, the teams that they're going to be running into, probably up until the finals. The path is clear. I can dig it. I think I, I agree. The the bot lane for H2K has been the surprise, I think, of the season for me in Europe. Um, they've been very impressive. They seem to to mesh very well together, and then they inserted themselves into the team as these sort of team uh, cleanup team fighters. I think is very efficient for the sort of play style H2K is going for with Odawamne and Fabivan being the primary sort of disruptors of team fights, it feels like they're a better version of themselves, and that team got to the semifinals of Worlds last year. 
Uh, I think this is a very sh easy group for them to get through. I think setting themselves up as the one seed. The other side is that whoever they're going to be playing in the semifinals is going to be arguably a very good team as well, whether it's Flash Wolves, whether it's G2, whether it's H2K, whether it's Car or whether it's Unicorns of Love or Kongu Monsters. Like They're going to be playing against a very strong team as well. Yes. Uh, so being in that sort of weaker group might might end up coming back to bite them if they do end up uh, you know, in a very tough semifinals matchup as opposed to what could be a very easy one uh, coming out of Group B as the one seed when you're looking at potentially Rocks or M19 or Hong Kong eSports. That being said, one of the teams H2K might be facing in the semifinals is our second favorite team and probably our personal favorite coming out of Europe, the Unicorns of Love. And they are at plus three... 50. Now, Chase, you brought up in pre-call to me that there is a thought going around that the Unicorns of Love might have had that sort of weird series with G2 because they are saving something for IEM. Uh, this also comes from our interview with Yos Malat, the CEO and co-owner of the team, uh, basically saying that they really want to win IEM, that it's very important for them to win IEM. This is a, a tournament for them. They want to be successful in anything that they compete in. So, Chase... Do you buy this, and do you think it's the right move for the Unicorns? Uh, no, I don't buy it. I think that G2 threw them off when it came to the pick-and-ban phase. I, I think that th there's good and bad news. Uh, the bad news is that I definitely do think that the series was legitimate. Uh, it was a mess of a game, too. I have no idea what was going on there. They, they both were like, hey, no, 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 I really think that you should win the game. Well, no, 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 you already won game one, G2. We might as well just hand it to you. Well, are you sure, Unicorns of Love, we could do a third game? And they're like, nah, go ahead. That's That was bad. That was a bad game for both of those teams. Game one was just G2 doing G2 things, and Unicorns of Love didn't find a way to stop it. But this is the, the problem that Unicorns of Love, we, that we predicted they'd have going into this. They are a team that likes to play with this accelerated pace. And what I find interesting about this is it means that they're going to be very different. They're, I, I'm going to feel very differently about them depending on the matchup. Uh, for instance, against G2, I still believe that if they could find a, if they can improve their pick and ban and play more like game two than game one, except, you know, cleaner rather than complete mm. clown fiesta, I think they could beat G2. I totally believe that is in play in a best-of-three series. I would agree. However, I'm more worried about them against Flash Wolves than I originally think I would be. Because Flash Wolves are a team that has no problem playing the fight-all-the-time value game. That's, That's basically fair. their home turf. Taiwan and North America both are very similar in the... The kill counts are a lot higher than you feel they should be if teams <laughs> played the game cleanly. Uh, which, yeah. you know... For Unicorns of Love, that's because they're making distinct value trades. To put this in perspective, Flash Wolves, in the games that have been tracked by uh, by Oracle's Elixir, which is not all of them, so take this with a grain of salt, they right now have a 2.04 kills per death, which is absolutely bonkers. That's it just nuts. says Yeah, it just says so much about, uh, A, the drop-off when you play uh, teams that are below the third best team in Taiwan right now. But to be fair, they did the same thing against G team. They're just really good at these kinds of skirmishes. So unicorns of love are going to have to 
you know, that's going to be two, two forces of very similar styles coming head to head. I think Unicorns of Love are, are, are certainly, they certainly have the potential to be the better team. I love what Xerxes has been doing. I think Exile has proven uh, everything that we thought about him as far as just, you know, the, the faith that, uh, that he could really take the leap forward. I think that has been, uh, that has been totally uh, vindicated. Uh, Vizichachi is absolutely a monster in the top lane on the right champion. And Hill is saying even in a meta where he's not completely comfortable, he finds ways to impact the, t the fights for his team consistently. I, I love this Unicorns of Love team. I just think that putting them in Group B, they have some very interesting matchups. Flash Wolves are not going to be the same kind of matchup that they're, that they're used to. And G2 found a way to slow him down. I want to see how they adjust. And I think that's going to be, to me, the most interesting part of this tournament. I, I would definitely agree. I mean, Group B is a, a cornucopia of interesting matchups and what-ifs and theories and, and proving yourself. Um, yeah, Unicorns. I have been pleasantly surprised by, by their season thus far. I think the G2 series was one of those aberrations where past Walter and Chase would have been like, oh, Sheepy, what are you doing? You're so terrible at this. Why are you okay? I just think every once in a while a coach is going to have one of those kind of brain fart moments where it just doesn't go as expected and you, you kind of screwed things up. I think that the players didn't really play within their compositions very well, and especially once they fell behind. It, it's the Unicorns love style. They don't care. They're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep fighting. And unless you get a really, really lucky team fight or a really good team fight or get a couple of catches, it's really hard to play that kind of style and come back from a deficit. I think that's going to be a, a primary focus of theirs, especially in this tournament, when they may eat up with Flash Wolves or G2, uh, to really focus on their early game and making sure that they don't fall behind. Or if they do, it's not such an insurmountable lead that they can win that one team fight and just be right back into it. Mm -hmm. And speaking of G2... G2 are the favorites to win the tournament at plus 250. Yes. It seems almost too obvious to pick G2 to win this tournament. Just because of how dominant they've been in, in Europe, and really, to me, the only team they truly have to beat is Flash Wolves. I think that's sort of what it comes down to, is are G2 better than Flash Wolves? And that question kind of determines who wins the entire tournament. I think they're going to play against each other at least twice. Uh, Very possible. And tell me I'm wrong. I won't. Actually, I'll put it this way. If, <laughs> if the barrier to, to winning the championship is Flash Wolves, then we might as well crown G2 now. I think that the bigger problem they're going to have is themselves at international events because that's the, what we're coming into right now, right? G2 has gone to international events twice, they didn't necessarily show, uh, demonstrate that they had prepared the way that they should at those events. They didn't necessarily demonstrate that they could bring out the best version of themselves when it mm -hmm. came down to, uh, you know, how they were playing both on an individual and as a team level. They didn't necessarily demonstrate, you know, one of the things that I've I've mentioned before, but I, I think is is worth re-examining every time we do have an international event. Trick seems to to get away sometimes with. Uh, uh, some maybe questionable vision choices uh, and, and gigs because he understands yeah. the patterns that all these European teams have because they scrim them all the time. 
and he's seen the film, and he's such he's so good at breaking down teams that way, and now he's having to prepare for teams from all these different regions on a pretty shortened schedule because it's not like G2 were one of the first teams invited to this whole thing. Mm. So this could be a concern. There certainly are reasons to question whether or not this is all going to play out the way that uh, that G2 want it to. But I think it will. I think that this is a, this is about time for G2 to show that the team that they are in Europe is actually the team that they are. They're, this is a, a, a expect that I have really enjoyed watching this year. I really do believe that he has grown significantly, especially in his usage of, of globals and making team plays across the map. I think that Perks has been very solid. I think he's still Perks, but I think that the times in which he's cost the team have been very minimal comparatively. I think Trick is still this brilliant shot caller. Sven still just never dies in fights, just ever. Uh, he has 18 deaths in 17 games, which is absurd, uh, especially because Mithy's kind of been off comparatively, and it just yes. doesn't matter to Sven. He just keeps racking up all those crazy stats no matter what he does. And even Mithy, you know, for everything that he has, you know, had been struggling with right now, he still has a good sense of, of how to roam and how to set up the rest of his teammates. Even with all those deaths, he still has a 3.1 KDA. So that's, you know, not as good as it should be, not as good as the Mithy that we're used to, but it's still Mithy. The, the floor is established is still being pretty good. So I'm, I'm excited for G2. I, I want to believe that they will take care of business. I want to believe that they will show up at this tournament and play like the team we have been watching for the last five weeks. I, I say I want to believe because I'm just not... There's just some nagging thing down in, my, in the pit of my stomach, in the bottom of my heart, that just says, what if they don't, though? Because I don't know how G2, if they lose this tournament... Mm -hmm convince anybody to back them in international events going forward. It will never be easier to win an international tournament than this one. They've got to get it done. There, there are no excuses left on the table. If they don't win this tournament, we have severe questions we have to ask about Europe as a region as a whole. See, this, this like I said, this feels like the, the IAM World Championship, the TSM one. Yes. And G2 is fitting the TSM mold about as closely as you can currently. Yes. Uh, they, they haven't won... They need to prove that they don't aren't just choke artists on the international stage. And I think there's a reason G2 are the favorite. But I think there are four teams. The top four teams. You could argue me into any one of those four winning. I would probably th say that Flash Wolves is more likely to win than H2K. Um, I think those odds are a little faulty. So, you know, whatever. But if you pick any one of these four teams to win, I wouldn't fault you for it. I think there's value in all four of these teams possibly winning. And Chase... I think there's some value in some of these round one games. Now, if you've never watched an IEM event before, they do this kind of interesting group stage where uh, there are four teams in each group, and they have a winner's bracket, and the four teams each play against one other team, and it's a best of one, and whoever wins moves on to the winner's bracket, and it's double elimination. So two best of one losses, and you're out of the tournament uh, in this group stage. Two best of one wins, and you move on into the semifinals the one seed plays against the two seed from the other group, and vice versa. So in Group A, our very first match of the IAM World Championship in Katowice, Poland. Rocks Tigers versus 
M19. Chase, very quickly, who wins it? Why? What is the line? Uh, Rocks Tigers win because of the two teams. Uh, one of them competes in the most competitive region of the world. One is struggling to hold on in Russia. I have Rocks Tigers minus 600. Yeah, you are not high enough. Uh, I probably would have guessed Rocks Tigers minus 500 in that region. It's Rocks Tigers minus 909. Fair. I don't have any problem with that. No, no love for M19, but if M19 won this, I wouldn't be surprised. I it would, wouldn't shock me. I would. I mean, it would be great revenge for what happened to Worlds, right? You know, they went <laughs> once against Rocks, and then they they had a chance, and they. Uh, they threw it away against G2, funnily enough. There are a lot of revenge games, potentially, for M19. But yeah, I, I'm i not yeah. so convinced. Let's keep That's going. <laughs> yes, uh, next game. H2K versus Hong Kong Esports. Who wins? Why? What do you think the odd is? Uh, H2K wins because H2K is a good team that has a clear way to win. And Hong Kong Esports uh, like to fight a lot. And they're good at fighting, but they're not good at any other part of the game. So I'm going to say H2K minus 400. Well, I would have said like H2K minus 700. I thought there would have been a larger gap because I think H2K is way better than Rocks Tigers. Uh, you would have gotten this. This is H2K minus 435. Okay. Uh, that'll set up round two matchups for us that we expect Rocks Tigers versus H2K. I think H2K wins that series. Mm-hmm. You agree? Absolutely. Uh, M19 versus Hong Kong Esports. I expect Hong Kong Esports to be the favorite here. I expect M19 to win. I think it's in play. I I think it'll be interesting to see how M19 would handle the constant aggression that Hong Kong Esports throw out. Mm -hmm. Because it is constant. For everything I could say about Maple Snow not quite showing up and both, you know, Gemini... Uh, and the other jungler who is so incredible, I've completely forgotten his name. It's like a <laughs> 1.7 KDA. Starts with something, it's got a couple L's in there. It doesn't matter. This is a team that, you know, they... Wulala. Wulala, that's the guy. They fight a lot, and they're going to constantly be throwing, you know, these fights, you know, people just at M19 over and over again and say, can you deal with this? Can you deal with this? Can you deal with this? I don't know that M19 can... I think that if, you know, I think that that strategy does not get teams very far. Certainly if you're just throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick, that is not a, a really uh, intense strategy. But uh, we'll see. M19 certainly could pull it off, but I'd need to see uh, some more illiquid magic than what I've been seeing uh, so far from what I've, uh, you know, just looking over the stats. Not Totally convinced. fair. Now we move to Group B, and yes. Group B is where I see the actual value in the group stage because it is so close among these four teams. Very first game, Kongdu Monsters versus the Unicorns of Love. Who wins, why, and what's the line? Yeah, by the way, when you say game, I just want to point out to listeners, uh, these group, group A and Group B, the first round, is literally a game. We don't get to best of three series until uh, round two. Uh, oh, yeah, round two. Round two elimination matches. No. Any game after the first two, after, after the first four series, I think, because uh, the first round in each group is best of one, mm. and then round two semifinals are best of three, finals are best of five. So, Got you. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe the loser's bracket round one will probably loser's also be Loser's bracket round game. one is best of one, yeah. Yeah. I 
well, I think Walter and I are on the record as to how we feel about uh, best of ones. So <laughs> I'll just say I wish that this was adjusted more for the fact that it would be a best of three, because a best of three, I'd have a lot of faith in Unicorns of Love. I think Unicorns of Love are the better team. I think that because it's a best of one, I'm going to keep it to minus 275. Oh, you have Unicorns of Love as the favorite. Unicorns of Love, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you silly, silly man. Kongdu Monsters are the obvious favorite at 143. Minus 143, Kongdu Monsters. Yep. Yep. Smart money bet for round one of IEM World Championships. Unicorns of Love over Kongdu Monsters. Write this in blood. They're at plus 110. Take it. Take it. Take your money, people. I have so many questions. Starting with... Does anyone watch Cognu Monster who's betting on this? What in Korea. the world? Korea. What? Korea. The, but what? Korea. Korea. That's the answer. Korea. It's a Korean team. Unicorns. Uh, Unicorn is overvaluing them against the Unicorns of Love. Take your free money. Thank us later. Moving on. Somewhere Romaine is just shedding the single manliest here. Just right. Just <laughs> one down the street. Oh my god. Okay. He's he's, okay. he's totally he's totally working out his Bill Goldberg your next shout. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. The last game of round one in Group B is G two versus Flash Wolves. I think that this is the eventual grand finals. Chase, mm. who wins their round one matchup in this best of one series? Why and what is the line? See, I'm just I'm so nervous about Flash Wolves. I think that G two are the better team straight up. I think that G two have shown. Uh, much more patience in how they play. They, they've shown a, a good understanding of the macro game in a way that Flash Wolves, I think, are still lacking a bit. They have more than the rest of Taiwan, obviously, but like you, you look at their Week 1 series against AHQ and the just cluster F that that was, and I, I think that G2 should be able to, to, to keep things calm and collected, I think G2 minus 180, it's going to be a very interesting game. You are a little high. I would have actually put this at even odds. I would have said that this this was probably going to be even uh, if I hadn't seen the outrights beforehand. It is G2 minus 139. Hmm. Puts Flash Wolves at plus 105. I would stay away from this game, but I think this is the eventual Grand Finals. And if it is, take whoever lost this match in the Grand Finals. That's my prediction. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I do think it is, it's very hard to beat a team twice. I think that that's something we've seen historically. And in this case, it could be very hard to beat a team three times, depending on how the rest of the bracket goes, depending on what you think of Unicorns of Love. I They wouldn't play each other three times. It'd only be two because they'd oh, eliminate yeah, one each other. You're, you're absolutely right. My apologies. This is uh this is me not doing my maths properly. But, but yeah. same thing. But same thing. Same if they idea. play against each other in the losers bracket, take whoever lost the first matchup. Yeah, it's uh there it's go. certainly gonna be. I'm excited to see how it works out. I I think that both of these teams playing at their best make for one heck of a game slash series if they ever get a chance to meet up again. If either one of these teams shows the international worries that we've seen in the past. Let's just remember, of all the teams that are at this tournament, only Unicorns of Love can claim an IEM buff. This is a Unicorns of Love team that has played better at these kinds of events on bigger stages. That is what the Unicorns of Love love to do. They thrive on this. And if you don't believe that Xerxes and Vizichachi and Hillisang, if you don't believe they care about IEM, 
Just remember when Yost came on the pod a couple weeks ago, he was talking about how much they wanted to win IEM. And that was with plenty of LCS left to go before that happened. This yes, They've been thinking about this for a while. This really does matter to UOL in a way that it doesn't seem to matter to any other team just because of how big this is for expanding their fan base and, and you know, reaching out to the kinds of, uh, you know, events that they, they want to go to. This should be a, a very interesting tournament. I'm not willing to say uh, that it's going to be the, you know, we obviously we spent 10 minutes at the beginning of this podcast complaining about things for a reason, but when you just focus on the teams and the games at hand, there's plenty to get excited for. I would agree. I think that the, the final weekend, the Saturday and Sunday games, are going to be pretty pretty interesting to watch. And this has been a pretty interesting podcast, Chase. We got to talk about a couple regions we never talk about in the LMS and the LCL, the CIS region and the Taiwanese region. That's always pretty cool. It's nice to kind of step out of the comfort zone and watch some different teams and realize that no matter what, we're all kind of screwed because Korea is just that much better. So... You know, if you want to talk about Taiwan or the LCO with myself or Chase, you can follow us on social media. I am at CADs underscore LOL. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? You can find me at Redshirt King. You can also find the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. We tried to give away some copies of uh, Octodad this week, and no one even uh, no one wanted to respond and claim them. So I don't know. I feel like you guys should be following, if for no other reason than we do our live tweeting over there and the you know interacting back and forth with you guys is something that we really enjoy. Uh, shout out to uh, to everyone who does show up uh, on a weekly basis to to talk to us. Alexander Yang, I uh, Death Star LOL on Twitter has been awesome. I love talking to uh, I am uh, at I am Aaron Jameson. Uh, who's talked to us a lot uh, on Twitter. I uh, I really will uh, always give you guys shout-outs. And also, shout-out, once again, lcspredict.com, Steve Kaffmeyer's Advanced Stats website. That's where I do my power rankings uh, every week. Obviously, the LCS is off this week, but do go check that site out. It's awesome. I've enjoyed writing for it, and uh, I think you guys will love kind of examining things, and you can kind of see for yourself how you should feel about G2, Unicorns of Love, and H2K. So... Smart gamblers use all the tools available to them. And, folks, I gambled on Longju versus Africa last week and uh, used LCS Predict and told me, take Longju as the value bet. I did it, and I won. Steve Kaffmeyer never leads me wrong. And we'll never lead you down the wrong path. Come back on Thursday where we're going to bring back the nepotism edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. We're going to have my brother... Alexander BM Navas Fedchuk on to talk some Hearthstone. They made some changes, and hopefully I'll go back to playing ranked because I hate Shaman, and hopefully they nerf Shaman. So come back on Thursday. Yeah, Chase, I know. But until then, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at Rough Pod, 
Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.